Here we go. Season 7. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more. There is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the Gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we're calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the new covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that salvation was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. Wednesday, January 1st, 2020. Going to try it again. My name is Caleb Hegg. Try it again right along with him. I'm Rob Banha. Hopefully the video will line up. Yeah, well, and it's not, of course. So I don't know what to do. Oh, well, I guess that's just what we get. Um, I And the other thing is that now I'm out of my live dashboard. So, okay. Well, you know what? People are just going to have to deal with it. <clears throat> it is what it is. And I apologize to everyone. <coughs> anyway, okay, well, we've tried it a second time. My audio and my video is still not lined up. But uh, here we are. Anyway, uh, so it's New Year's Eve, and uh, at least on the Gregorian calendar it is. I thought it was New Year's. <laughs> ah, that's right, New Year's Day. Well, isn't it isn't it January first or is it is it December thirty first? I love it. It's something. Okay. Um, well, let's see here. Where were we? Let me get back into my show notes, and I do apologize. Now I'm all discombobulated, but that's okay. Um, I do have show notes, which is good. And uh, we have really an interesting show for you today. Uh, this is going to be we we hope we well. Hope. Here's the thing is that, you know, last year, we was it two years ago? Two years ago, we decided to change formats. And a lot of people are like, oh, you didn't change formats. Everything's pretty much the same. Well, <clears throat> the difference is, is that we started talking more directly towards theology instead of towards people. And uh, today we're going to make an exception. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about a very specific video, very specific people <clears throat> and can I can I play the first clip? Can I show you why we're going to do that? Sure, sure. Is that, is that okay? Here we go. Listen to this. This is uh, now. This is in your show notes, by the way. I uh, I I put this in your show notes so you can you can try to watch as much of it as possible. Um, but here's what they say in the beginning. 
Welcome, brothers and sisters, to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube channel. My name is Adam, and I welcome you. Today, we'll be discussing a difficult topic to digest. Many will have knee-jerk reactions to this, and cognitive dissonance will more than likely kick in, as what will be presented today will go against what many of us have been taught for centuries. I pray that you take this new information in, study it, test it, and prove it for yourself to be true or false. And that's exactly what we did. All right. At, at least that's what I did. And here's the thing. Um, yeah, you know, 119, I don't know if they're still doing this. 119 Ministries used to do this, which was basically at the beginning of their videos, they would say things like, you need to test this yourself and prove to see if it's right or wrong. Now, these guys go on for another five minutes basically to say, if you don't believe this, I, and I'm paraphrasing, they don't actually come out and say this, but they basically say, there's a lot of people who won't believe this because Satan has deceived many. And God has not made himself known to many. And so basically what they're implying is, if you don't receive what we're saying, you're of Satan. So, that's fun. <laughs> Basic, well, I mean, basically what they're doing is they're trying to guilt people into believing what they're going to say before they say anything. If you don't say, if you don't believe this, you're an idiot. That's, I mean, they should just say that instead of taking eight minutes of their time to, to tell me, about, you know, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, and this is one of the, re look, if you disagree with us on things, that's fine. You can disagree with us. A lot of people do it all the time. Um, but we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, if you, if you disagree with Rob and Caleb, then you need to go check your heart because you might be of your father, the Antichrist. I mean, what kind of a message is that in the beginning of your video? Okay, before we jump into this video, which I know we already kind of have, but before we jump in, I got to say, now, look at this. Behind me here, you can see the latest Messiah Matters producer cup, the M&M one. Back there is the Jack Daniels one from before. Now, we got a new one up. It's pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet, yes. It, it makes me crave French fries in tartar sauce. Uh, dude, dude, our graphic <laughs> artist is so on point. It's unbelievable. Thank you, Mike. He's in the chat room. Thank you very much. Uh, another fine job by our graphic artist, Michael Gonzalez. Excellent job. Hmm. I forgot that uh, I didn't put the produ producers up for this. Now, we've actually switched quarters over. We already have some producer credits being uh, purchased. And so um, I'm going to let these producer credits... Role. If you want to be a producer, and I got to mention a couple of things at the outset of this show. If you want to be a producer of this show, get one of the wonderful cups. Have your name up. Have your name in the show notes. Have, uh, yeah. I mean, just yeah. To to have all the honors, all of the uh, perks of associating with with right, <laughs> right. All of the perks of being a producer. Then uh, go to. Uh, torresource.com, hover over media, and then go down to Messiah Matters producer credit. It's $100 per quarter, um, and you do get perks. You can also request that a message be read online, and or you can request certain sound bites. What's actually speaking of sound bites, do I have my sound? Oh, I don't. Let's try to do this real quick. I'll, while, I'm, while I'm bringing up my soundboard, we should also say um, if you don't want to be a producer, but you would like to help help uh, support this show financially, you can do so for any amount over five dollars. 
And all producers and all supporters have access to the Messiah Matters More page. Now, the way that you can do this is you can go to TorahResource.com. That's who uh, actually produces this show. Uh, and then uh, go to don Donate. And in Donate, you'll see a Messiah Matters uh, support. If you go in there, it's $5 a month minimum. That's the price of a latte at, at uh, you know, Starbucks per month. And then you get access to the Messiah Matters More page, and we put all sorts of stuff up there and uh, extra content and uh, articles, uh, like early release articles, early release lectures that we've done, stuff like that. So, um, And in the chat room, you can see that uh, Mr. Gonzalez has put up a link there for anyone who would like to help support. And honestly, it is only because of our supporters and our ex executive producers that we are, we are able to continue doing this show, which we have fun doing. There's no doubt about it. But if you find this uh, resource helpful, please consider going to that link. Okay. I think we should jump into this. I think we should just jump right into this and, and go full bore. Uh, from the beginning here. And then afterwards, we can talk about the comments about the Trinity that we've gotten on our YouTube channel. And we can also uh, talk about uh, the, the book of Maccabees and whether or not it should be in the canon. These are the three topics that we've chosen for today. Buckle your seatbelts, children. Here we go. Um, so let's go back to this. Uh, let's go back to uh, their intro. As what will be presented today will go against what many of us have been taught for centuries. Okay. Now, Rob is Rob has uh, presented some very, very scholarly papers at the Society of Biblical Literature. <laughs> very. Quite. Quite. <laughs> and um, it's, not a, it's not a small thing to do. It's, uh, it's nerve-wracking. It's amazing to see uh, someone, anyone, get up in front of the world's top scholars and present things. If you're going to present something new, which Rob has done, a new idea or let's look at this text in a new way, you had better get your facts straight. And unfortunately, you know, I, I, I kind of went in between a couple of different emotions when I, when I was watching. Otherwise, you, yeah, you come across as a fool. People right. are like, you're a fool. Right. So that, that the core question is, <laughs> is this person a fool? You know, and that's. I mean that in the biblical sense, like right. wi wisdom versus foolishness. Um, so with that, oh, that's not you, that's me. Okay. With that said, there are, there are some major, major errors in this. And I'm not talking about like, I theologically disagree errors. I'm talking like blatant, no, that's obviously not true. And we'll show you how it's not true. Let's talk a little bit about why we're talking about this video. I am part of a community and uh, some people brought this video to me and said, look, we have a very uh, good friend who is uh, involved with these people and they were wondering about this video. And so we sat and watched literally about a minute of it tops. Oh my, I'm it, surprised you made it that far. It was so difficult to watch uh, because it, it, was, it was obvious that the people who were presenting this we're not understanding several key things. Now, when now I actually sat down and I watched the whole thing. I watched this entire video. And that was that was very difficult. I had to do it in chunks because I went through emotions of like just deep sadness for these people in that they they're making such blatant mistakes and 
and also that they have 109,000 subscribers to their YouTube channel. And so it's not just them who are making the mistakes. They are feeding these they're mis- feeding, they're yeah, feeding they're- the mistakes to other people. And that was really, really difficult for me to think about. And then I got angry in the idea of uh, there's so much nonsense out there and people are not taking their faith. They, they're, there's, there's so much passion for it. There's so much passion for the faith. But they just think that, oh, I can get on the internet and, and learn a couple of things and now I can feed the sheep. And that's not how it is. It, it is a life's work to be diligent and to uh, really study and be equipped to, to handle the Word of God. And I'm not saying that people can't do that. I don't have a master's degree. I don't, have, I don't even have a bachelor's degree. Um, and I'm, the Lord has blessed me greatly to uh, be under people like Rob and my father um, who have such wonderful knowledge and are well-trained. But the point is, you don't have to have a PhD to study the Word, but you do need to do due diligence. Okay. Before, so, uh, do you just want to, what's the core claim? I will tell you the core claim okay. as soon as I tell people this. You can be part of this conversation. Call our comment line. You won't talk to us. You just leave a message so you can tell us how wrong you think we are, how right you think we are, how much you love us, hate us, whatever. It doesn't matter. 253 253- 465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email, chegg, that's C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. It is TorahResource, not TorahResources.com. And speaking of Torah Resource, go to TorahResource.com for all sorts of great articles, including an article on this subject, the number 666, which you can find in our articles section. Here is the main claim of this video. The main claim is... That the mark of the beast, which is 666, they're going to say, is, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but the main claim is that the number 666 is actually represented by letters. Three letters, they're going to say, and that these three letters actually represent a name, not a number, and that this number, or that this name is in fact Jesus, not Yeshua, they're going to say. They're going to say, no, but Jesus and the pagan Jesus that has been fed to everyone is, in fact, the Antichrist. And so if you uh, uh, if you use the name Jesus and if you go by the name Jesus, you know, if you are uh, claiming this name, you're actually claiming the Antichrist as opposed to claiming Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah that uh, that the Almighty has sent. Now, before I got started watching this video, I wanted to know a little bit about these people. And I realized that I've seen videos by these people before us, or before. I'm just glancing at the comments. Yes, yes, true. A lot of truth in the chat room being brought forth right now. Okay, Um, let's keep going. Here's what I learned about this channel. Now, first of all, this channel, if those who, uh, who are in the chat room might know our friend David Wilbur. I don't agree with David on everything, but David is a friend of mine and we talk often and I enjoy a lot. Uh, I enjoy him as a, a acquaintance and a friend and I'm very happy for a lot of the work that he's done. He had a debate on this channel. The channel is the YouTube channel is called Parable of the Vineyard. He had a debate on this uh, on this channel with Sean Griffin. 
Sean Griffin was supporting the and and uh, the channel Parable of the Vineyard is just one guy. It's Adam Fink. Adam was the was the moderator for this this debate, and the debate was: Is the Book of Enoch canonical or not? Uh, Sean Griffin was supporting the idea that in fact the Book of Enoch is canonical, whereas David Wilbur took the view, of course, it is not canonical. Now, here's some things that we need to know about Adam Fink and the YouTube channel, The Parable of the Vineyard. First of all, Adam seems like just the nicest of guys. He really does. He seems like he's got a very gentle spirit, uh, eloquent, and just a, a really nice fellow is how he comes across. And I have no problem with that. I'm sure he is a very nice guy. With that said, just because you're a nice guy doesn't mean that you're not spouting heresy, and that's exactly what he's doing. He is he is spouting a lot of heresy. First of all, he believes in non-canonical books being part of the canon, like Enoch and uh, Jubilees. Second of all, he um, he he upholds flat Earth, so there's a huge red flag run, right? He is a sacred namer, and not just a sacred namer in terms of he believes that we should be saying the name Yahuwah, but also that the... <laughs> I know. Also... That the name Yahusha, which is not a Hebrew name, by the way, I, I not, not, neither of those are. Neither <laughs> of those are. So it's it's interesting that people come along and all. It's of invent a, your own religion. Yeah, it's well, it's invent, invent your, your own, own Hebrew. That, invent your own language. Invent your own religion. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So he he's a huge fan of the. Uh, he seems to use the Et Sefer as one of his main translations. If that's what oh, you want to call it, that's probably one of the problems right there. But. Right, exactly. And then finally, he has 109, as I already said, 109,000 YouTube subscribers, which and we have about 4.5 thousand subscribers. I'm not saying anything, but it, it just seems like there's a lot of ear tickling going on on his channel. And it shows that people are very attracted to the ear tickling. Now, I'm not saying that we're some great podcasting genius that we should have 109,000 people. In fact, I think that we're probably... We're a little bit too big for our britches. We're probably we're, too we're big too, right now. We're too, too small for our britches. So some people unsubscribe. We need to reduce our numbers a little bit. Here. And so what many of us have been taught for centuries. I pray that you take this new information in, study it, test it, and prove it for yourself to be true or false. So I think a statement like this is a one-off. I think it's a one-off to try. And I, I don't know if these people think, that, I don't know if this is the intent but people who do this, who say things like, study it for yourself, see if it's true or not. I think that that is a one-off to try to, to try to snag people to say, that will think, oh, they're telling me to go study it so that they must really have studied this and it must be true. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I don't know. It does seem, it does seem disingenuous because this guy obviously has not done what he's asking other people to do. Oh, definitely not. Like that. Like the content of <laughs> it's. It's really a shame. It's shameful how how horrific that this is. Yeah. Um. So this is good. So we're taking him up on this initial word. We're taking you guys up on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're going to show you guys definitely need to uh, go back to school. Well, yeah, and, and I think when we got cut off last time, what we were talking about was. The fact that within the Hebrew Roots movement, there is this idea that they can that that uh, you know five six thousand years of of uh, language is wrong, and that they've found the new the new truth, right? Well, there is an element of 
in this in this make up your own religion world where you have to have some sort of new edge right it's got to be some new revealed thing like it's oh the temple mount isn't where you think it is you know or um the earth you know it's really a lie the earth is really flat right, right. It, there's got to be some edge that puts you that that puts your claim outside of <laughs> right like of what would be normally plausible just to shake and then people insist on it to shake it up and that's where they get the traction that's why they have you know hundreds of thousands of, of followers because people are they they love that there's pe- people love the conspiracy ideas and uh, I guess it was like the Y2K thing right or Michael Root in the 90s you know Yeshua's coming back next September yeah, how do you know? Because I did the math, right? And and um, just over and over and over again. I, I don't know that we're ever going to, you know, while the Lord tarries. Yeah, these people are all, re- they seem like all really nice people. The problem is, is that they're still leading the flock astray and they're still teaching heresy. That's the biggest problem that I see. Yeah. Uh, and they don't, they don't seem to, they don't seem to want to put in any due diligence to learn um, <laughs> the, the truth. Okay, so we should just dive in here. Okay. This is, it feels like we're, yeah, we're, we're dragging it out. Here slowly. we go. Yeah. Revelation 13.8 Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. John said his name was a number. However, John never said six, six, six. Nor did he say six hundred, three score, and six. No, John never wrote or spoke in English. When John wrote this in the book of Revelation, he wrote it in Greek. So now, let's look at 666 in Strong's. Strong's G 5516. Chi, Xi, Stigma. John wrote three alphanumeric symbols. Okay, this is going to take a little while, and the reason why is because there's so much wrong with this. First of all, one of the big problems that we see here is uh, it's obvious that the people who are making this video don't speak Greek. And the reason why is because um, John does write out the, the numbers in many manuscripts. It actually says in the Greek, if it was a direct translation, it would say 660 six that's how the, right. that's yeah, how right. the, exactly. that's how the greek in many of the manuscripts goes now the this is actually going to lead us to a, a, another thing it seems that the people who have made this video do not understand what an apparatus is and for those that's not necessarily a bad thing i don't want to put anyone down who might not know what an apparatus is but for those who don't know what an apparatus is let me explain this very quickly an apparatus tells you okay here are all the manuscripts where we find this verse and this is how all of the manuscripts differ. Now, if you go to TorahResource.com and you look for the, uh, for the article in the articles section called the number 666 in Revelation 13:18, my father has compiled a list of, different manuscri- of the different manuscripts and how they read in this one specific verse. And the reason why is because there's a lot of variants. A variant, for the, those who don't know, means a different rendering. It was written differently. So, for instance, um, the majority of the of the manuscripts actually spell out 600, 
66. And you can see this in that in that PDF that he has uh, put forward. There is also the rendering that the, that this person has given, which is a he. Uh, 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 let's see here. What am I looking at? Anyway, the three letters are in one, two, three, four manuscripts, and then there's also an Irenaeus and Hippolytus mention this as well. So that would be considered a kind of a secondhand witness. Uh, and then also, this is something that this video never gets into. There's also variance within the number. So there are different uh, there are different manuscripts that say six one six instead of six six six. There's also a manus uh, one manuscript that has 616, but just in three letters like uh, these people are saying, but it's different letters. And then there's also 665 in one manuscript. Now, my father in this article, it's not really an article, it's just a PDF, it explains why he believes that there's these variants. And it comes back to the Latin and the Greek, which all spell out Nero um, or Nero Caesar. Um However, that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that the people who have made this video say, oh, well, John never spelled out the number 666. That's simply not true. And, um, what do you want to say about this? Because I have a couple of pictures I want to show before, before uh, we go on to the next clip. Oh, will I be able to see the pictures? That you show? I don't know. You can get in. Okay, that's all right. In, you can get into the chat room. If you get into the chat room, you'll be able to see. Them. Okay. Um, actually, let's, uh, go ahead. Well, I would. I was just listening, is heavily leaning on their understanding of Strong's Concordance. In other words, they're they don't know Greek, and so they're using Greek transliteration into English letters to try to. This reminds me of Chuck Missler's Hebrew. You know, when right. Chuck Missler would say something in Hebrew, I'd go, uh, "Why is he saying it that way?" Oh, it's because he's not. He doesn't know Hebrew. He's looking at the Strong's transliteration of it, and then he's he's misunderstanding because he hasn't looked at the Strong's actual like the vowel chart, like how to actually read, you know. Uh, and that's what's happening here. So it's it it's the letters are he, xi, and and it's the 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 stigma actually wasn't called the stigma yet. So it it was called a digamma back then um it's only i think like like middle ages where it starts where this letter started to be called a stigma it's for the number six but it was a digamma and it had a w sound a w like a w like a vav right in, which is a six in greek in hebrew um so the very fact that they're going to now take that letter the third letter because we do have a few manuscripts that have letters written rather than the numbers written out. So even if we give them that, right. the the pronunciation is is based off of just poor poor uh, enthusiasm. You know, it's an, it's enthusiasm gone wrong on their part. So um, so let's before I'm, I know I know we haven't said much, but let's just recap real quick. First of all, it's pretty apparent that the people who are making this video don't speak any Greek or read any Greek, any biblical Greek. And we're going to see even more of that in a few seconds. <clears throat> what is more, they're not being uh, honest with the manuscript evidence. The fact of the matter is, is that most manuscripts actually do spell out the I, uh, absolutely the, the word six hundred and sixty-six. Um, and so the, the the one 
symbol that they're trying to use is only found in four or five manuscripts. And most of them, I think only one of the manuscripts that it's found in is in Alexandrina, which is 4th century, but the rest are 10th century. So uh, all of these things would need to be taken into consideration when you're looking at manuscripts and, and especially when you're looking at variants in manuscripts. When you're talking, when you're trying to uh, create some kind of a new theory or a new hypothesis on what a verse might mean, what you need to do is you need to look at every single one of the manuscripts and you need to try to compare to see which one. This is one of the reasons that in the Greek New Testament, which they actually are going to have up on the screen here. I'll show you pictures of that in a second. One of the reasons that the Greek New Testament actually does spell it out. Okay, let's listen to another clip here. John wrote three alphanumeric symbols. In all other places in the Bible, numbers are spelled with letters, not symbols. Revelation 13, 18 is the only place in the Bible where these symbols are used, even though the numbers 600, 60, and 6 are found in the Bible in many places. Okay, now I edited this down a little bit because um, he, he goes over a lot of Strong's numbers. What he's talking about, he actually brings up on the screen. Let's take a look at this real quick. Are you, can you, are you in the chat room, by the way? No, that's okay. Okay, so this I'll is what you. he has up on the screen when he's saying this. I took a screenshot of this, and now uh, you can t take a look. Um, for those who don't speak any Greek, that's totally fine because I've, I've made some marks here that we're going to look at. First of all, he's looking at this this mark right here, and uh, this is a he, a C, and a, and a sigma, and he's taking this. That gamma. <laughs> yeah. He's taking. He, he, yeah, okay, fair enough. He's okay. taking this to mean, though, that this is what is actually in the text. However, he's got the verse below, and as you will see, that's those three letters are not actually in the text. And this really confused me. I couldn't figure out where in the world this was coming from. This is actually coming from, um, uh, I think it's Strong's Lexicon, which means that Strong's is looking at one of the four manuscripts, probably Alexandrina. On this blue letter Bible, right? <clears throat> right. But but the blue letter Bible is actually using, uh, I, I, it's not Strong's numbers. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a majority it's a Texas Receptus kind of thing, I think. Right, but, sure. the, but here's the thing. I looked up the Strong's numbers in Revelation 13, 18, and it's not G5516, because I was confused at where he was getting this. Yeah, uh, who knows, man? Strong's is not, a, I mean, yeah, this is not how you use Strong's. Okay, here's, here's the thing. He says that it's not spelled out. Look here, though, the red line towards the bottom that I put under here, this is actually 660. That's Six. the actual verse, right? That's the That's verse. the actual verse. So the person who's making this video has made a blatant error that John doesn't write this out. Actually, the majority of the texts say that he does write it out. The other thing that they have n not decided to tell us is that this verse actually has variants so that 616 is also a possibility. Right. Um, okay, let's listen to a, another clip of this. And this is really... oh. I, I think one thing that we should talk about as well, and before we go on, and maybe you can shed some light on this, you know, the uh, the Semitic idea of a name is not like a written name, like, 
Caleb or Rob or uh, Jesus or something like this. The, the idea of a name is the person's entirety, who they are as a person. The character, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the character and their being. And so the idea that the, uh, the name 666 would be on someone's head and hand, I'm not convinced that this is actually like a specific name. I think it's talking more about you are preaching and being part of the person. Um, and we see this actually in the Bible. So, for instance, in 1 Kings 3.2, the people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. This doesn't mean that they're going to, like, write the letters of the name inside the temple. Right. Uh, 1 Kings 5.5, 5, and so I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord said to David my father, so on and so forth. And then in Jeremiah 3.17 again. And so I'm, all I'm trying to highlight is the idea that this has to be a specific name, like Jesus or Satan or whatever it may be, this is nonsense. It's talking about the character of a person. And this this is why we are to, like when the Bible says pray in the name of Jesus or of Yeshua, it's not talking about people saying, you know, in Jesus' name I pray or in Yeshua's name I pray. It's talking about praying in in the will of who Yeshua is, in the person of Yeshua, represent have, being a representative of how and who Yeshua is. <clears throat> Do you want to say anything else on that? Nope. Nope. That's okay. Okay. Let's move on. Where's my cursor? Here we go. So, is it possible for the name yeah, Jesus, having never existed prior to 1611, be a sacred name? Of course not. If Yeshua was born to a Hebrew Elohim given name, Yeshua, would it be sacred? Of course it is. So this is where they're going to bring out the idea of the sacred name of Yeshua. Um, and that Yeshua is actually a sacred name. Which, it's not we have other Yeshuas in the Bible, right? Right. Yeah, that's, wow. Just, wow. Uh, the other thing that um, that needs to be said, I hear this argument a lot from people. J was not a letter in English until the 16th century. Okay, that's true. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's part of the language now. And Jesus is the way that you say Yeshua in English. Just as Jesus is how you would say Jesus in Spanish. There's all there's different ways to say according to the language. J came into the, our language because, because of an I, which was a representation of Iota, which is a Greek letter, not of He, which they're trying to argue. So the morphology of language over time, it, it doesn't, the idea that J wasn't a letter in English and therefore it can't be right is, is a ridiculous argument. I mean, of course, Jesus is not how you say Yeshua in Hebrew, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's in a different language. Just like my name in English is Caleb, but in Hebrew, it's Kalev, right? Right. That's right. Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I chose that clip to show that the idea of sacred name is really playing in this video here. Um, okay, and let's move on to their final conclusion. So now, keeping that in mind, how did John pronounce the Greek symbols? Chai is pronounced chi, as in cheese. Okay, I'm going to stop this so that Rob can... Uh, <laughs> That's cheat. Yeah, you know what? Can we pull that clip? 
Chi yes. as in cheese. Yes. That, that's, I want that clip. Chi as in cheese. Chi as in cheese. That, that, that summarizes the whole video. It does. Cheese. And, uh, uh, because it's, there's no cha. It's, so in one hand, he's going to tell people about ways letters were pronounced versus the way they're only recently pronounced. And then telling people who are pronouncing it the recent way that they're wrong. But then he's going to, and then on the other hand, he's going to try to pawn off this cha sound from ancient Greek, which is his own ineptness ineptitude with respect to reading Greek or, or making sense of Strong's Concordance. Go back to school, man. That's a shame. Well, hang on just a sec. Let's, let's explain this for people who have never taken so Greek. So, chi, it's ch. It's chi. Yeah. Ch. Not ch. And, it's by ch. the way, I've taken Greek from Rob. We learned this literally in the Page very, in the very like, first class. The very first class, you learn that it's he, not chi. There's no ch ch sound in Greek, and so for those who have bought into this video and under and really believe this, I I hope that this shows the lack of care that these people have have put into their research. All the all the mysterious dramatic music and the piano and and all that stuff, it it's like. You know, it's like dressing up a pig. You know what I mean? Well, it shows that they haven't even done enough. They haven't even taken enough care to Mm -hmm. learn how to pronounce the letters. It is very shameful, honestly, because what they're doing is they're leading people away from truth. How long is the whole video? Is it like an hour long? Yeah, it's like 56 minutes, and I watched the whole thing. So they'll take that much time to produce. How much time does it take to produce an hour video like that? A long (laughs) time. And then add music. (laughs) Add music. Efforts in the wrong direction, friends. Hang on, let's keep, <laughs> let's like, keep going because it gets even. It's, it's, okay, so it doesn't get so better. This, the first point, wrong. Eh. Wrong. Chi right. for cheese. Right. Wrong. Z is pronounced Z. Also wrong. No. It's a. Yeah. It's a. C. It's a KS sound. C. 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 Huh. So if we're going by those letters. The chi is ch, the xi is x. Chaos. So second wrong. Hang on, but the point, yeah. Once again, the person has not even done enough research to understand how to to pronounce the letters. I mean, why would anyone believe these people? But he knows that stigma is pronounced s, as in sun. No, no, it's called stigma because it it looks like a sigma. In, but this was way late. It was in ancient times. It was a digamma. It was called, and it was a w sound, like a w. Right. Probably by probably by the time, in the, in the first century, it's just used as the number six. We don't know how it was. We don't know exactly what it was called. But it wasn't called a stigma, and it didn't have an. We have no evidence that there was an s sound. So, this is silliness. This is silliness. Well, it's not. It's it's extremely uh, disheartening that people are falling to this. Okay, and people see. wouldn't try to read it as a word because it it's nonsensical. Even even if you had a manuscript that had that had the he, xi, and the digamma, they're still going to say it out loud. They're going to say six hundred, yeah, sixty and six. 
just like if we if you're looking in an English Bible and you see three sixes, right? You're not going to go, you know, because the well, you might say six six six, I guess you'd say, but you're not going to try to make it sound like a word, like like the like the six is a letter or something. You're going to say, oh, six hundred sixty six. Yeah, that's okay. Let's listen to the conclusion. Now, putting it all together, we get the false blasphemous name Jesus Jesus and the explosion behind it I love it dude this is serious cheese I want that clip as like a favorite clip that we go to every once in a while cheese for cheese I mean this the, the problem is is that there is absolutely no study and no truth that has gone into their research they have a conclusion that they're trying to reach. And the fact that they don't know how to pronounce the letters, the fact that they don't know what the sound of the letters makes, the, sa- the fact that they say that the manuscripts s- say something that they don't say, and that you can see right there in the Greek text that they're wrong. Wow. I mean, this is so bad and it's so wrong. But beyond that, the fact, I mean, the fact that you got people who are flat earth who are sacred namers, who are, and I mean, all these things, why would you even listen to this video anyway? But now I hope that there's enough proof to show that these people have not done any due diligence in whatever they've been saying. It's really, a, I mean, I find it offensive, quite frankly. It's definitely heretical. Um, but it, but offensive is, is certainly... So they should pull the they should pull the video and most of the other ones that they've done, if not all of them, they should just scrap it and and either go get some education first, or, I mean, I'm sorry, it, this is a disservice not only to the flock of Yeshua but to Yeshua himself. This is really a disservice. It makes me upset. All right, have we beat this to death here? Is that what's going on? You want to talk about Maccabees? Oh, we had a good email, just as someone because during Hanukkah they're asking why isn't the book, why isn't Maccabees why aren't the Maccabees books part of the canon if they're part of the Catholic canon? You know, that's a right. that's a it's uh, a fair question. And uh, I just had a quick you know my answer is a we. We see that it was not preserved by any Jewish scribes, right? So Jew- Jewish scribes did not preserve the books of Maccabees. Uh, so it's really Christian copyists in the um, ancient world that copied over all the Greek texts that they inherited from Hellenistic Judaism, basically. You know, the Hellenistic Jewish world in the diaspora. So that's where you get your wisdom of Solomon and your Ecclesiasticus and um, I don't know others. Well, hang on, that we've we've talked <laughs> about this history before, right? The the yeah. the these things don't enter the Catholic canon until after the after the uh, sixteen eleven and the pro, well the Protestant Reformation. Right, the Protestants Protestants basically go back and say, okay, we're we're only interested in what the ancient Jewish scribes preserved, right? In terms of Tanakh. And that's where, that's where they got the concept of, you know, the old, what we call the old Testament. 
And um, so, so that's one, one note, is that these books were not preserved, although there are newer translations of books of the Maccabees and things like that, but they're not ancient. There's, there was one person one trying to sell a, the idea that they had translated the Maccabees from ancient Aramaic or something like that or ancient Hebrew. That's nonsense. Right. It's nonsense. Um, it, it's not ancient. Um, and then the other is that it's, it, why isn't part of the apostolic writings then, right? It, well, it, it is a, well, we could do a whole show on the Maccabees themselves. And we do get into the books of Maccabees in our uh, Second Temple Judaism class, uh, in the literature of the Second Temple period. But it's sectarian literature. You know, you've got uh, the, the, the author of First Maccabees is not the same as the author of Second Maccabees. So it's not like, you know, First and Second, you know, Corinthians were both written by Paul. And it's not the same as First and Second Samuel, which were just first scroll of Samuel, second scroll of Samuel, right? All written by the same person. It's not like that, but it gives that impression. First Samuel or first Maccabees, second Maccabees. Right. They're written at different times by different people um, with different agendas. And they're not, um, they're, they're, um, they're helpful in, in terms of understanding how first century Jews viewed this group, you know, how they told the story of, of the Antiochus Epiphanes, etc. But, uh, but in terms of spiritual formation or teaching us about the gospel or anything like that, they don't, they don't have anything to offer. Um, and I think that's part of, you know, the providence of God, you know, that's not, it's not part of the canon. Right. Um, those are my thoughts on it. Well, I mean, I've done, I've done work on the formation of the Bible and, and, uh, uh, is it Metzger? Metzger's done some real, had, has written some really good uh, articles, uh, on the Apocrypha and why it wasn't accepted. And uh, so, actually, I think that I referenced those in the class that I did uh, for uh, Growing in Messiah. But um, I think I actually copied that and put it up. But uh, basically, the point is, is that you don't have these books accepted by the believing community. Prior to the New, the New Testament writings, which would be during the time of the, the interim in between the Tanakh and the New Testament... And you also don't have them <clears throat> ever accepted or even debated about until uh, by the first century church, second century church, third century church. And, uh, the list goes on. Um, and why not? They were seen as uh, important, but they were not seen as God's word. They were not seen as inspired. Yeah, they weren't written by a prophet or anything like that. They weren't written by anybody, in, you know, under inspiration at all. So... Um, so yeah, again, you know, you can read it and understand it, uh, try to, you know, compare it. One good exercise, just compare and contrast first and second Maccabees with one right. another. Right. Um, and, and let that be part of your understanding of history, but not, you don't read it as this is the truth. That's, that's the core piece here. 
And that's that's how you should read Jubilees also. That's how you should read the different Enochs that we have. Right. And and just like we just got done talking about with Revelation, the manuscript history is part of the transmission history. And you can't separate it out. That's why people say, oh, Enoch should be part of the canon. They're fools. Or Jubilee should be. We, we don't have, you know, they're going to take the Ethiopic, you know, it's just a several hundred, you know, what, four or five hundred years old Ethiopic version of Enoch, take an English translation of that, and then import that and say that that's now official scripture to be read alongside. Right. Um, you know, Isaiah or Jeremiah or something. It's just, it's silly. It's silliness. But it is, it's uh, tickling ears. People who want to tickle each other's ears. Uh, before we go, and I know that we have um, some time left, I do want to talk about this. We've done, we've talked about um, canonization before, by the way. I want to talk about this. We've got, so it shows me the state of, of faith and believers. Um some of the comments that we've gotten on the Trinity. Um, there's Once again, there's just not a whole lot. I, people are not con- connecting some dots, I don't think. Um, so Kim Rice writes on our YouTube channel, she says, where in the Tanakh was the Holy Spirit spoken of or prophesied about? Why in the Shema did yod heh say he is one and not we are one? Okay, first of all, the Holy Spirit is in Genesis 2, 1-2. One of the very first things that we ever see is the Holy Spirit. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure where this is coming from. Second of all, the Shema, God is one. And I said this in my response. I said, God is one. There, I don't understand. And they wrote back and said, you just made my point. God is one, not three in one. Okay, well, all I'm doing is reading the scriptures. The fact of the matter is, is that you have the Holy Spirit spoken of in personal terms. You also like in with personal pronouns in John and uh you know, we have we in Genesis 1. Beyond this, God says no one can see me and live, right? But And also, also John himself says no one has ever seen God. But then you have yod heh showing up to Abraham. You have yod heh showing up to Moses. You have yod heh showing up to, I mean, all over the place. The fact to the 70 elders of Israel, and they saw his feet and under his feet, it was like a sheet of glass. So the point is, is that, yes, you're right. There's nowhere ever in the scriptures where it says God is a trinity and you need to believe that he is a trinity. However, if you take the whole of scripture and look at the whole of scripture, I personally believe that you cannot read scripture, be honest with scripture and come away saying that that there is not God in bodily form prior to the coming of Yeshua. And I don't think you can be honest with scripture and say that Yeshua doesn't claim to be yod heh if you take a 66-book canon, I think that the evidence is clear that Yeshua is yod heh and that the Holy Spirit is yod heh and that the Father is yod heh and that they work separately but are one. So, I mean, yeah, you can... These one-off comments, you know, I, I, it's it's really sad because you're talking about things that literally took hundreds of years for Christians to work out just the language, just the language to try to use to describe what the Bible describes in human terms. And you have these people with these one-off comments. Oh, you just made my point. God is one, not three in one. 
I mean, honestly, this shows an ignorance of the conversations that have taken place throughout the history. And I don't want to be mean, but, you know, once again, these are one-off comments. There, there have been books and books and books and books and books written just on the fourth century leading up to the Council of Nicaea. So I think that these are, not only do these comments not help, but they muddy the waters because what am I supposed to do here? Sit and talk about, you know, and go through the history of the debates, which you obviously haven't gone through. Anyway, I think it shows a, I think it shows the sickness that's, that's gone on within the believing communities. Um, and of course, now we have uh, "Truth Shall Set You Free" in the uh, in the uh, in in the chat room, and I'm not positive, but I believe that this is the same person who holds to modalism, which again is heresy, um, and doesn't work. Because if you if if you believe in modalism, then the father had to die on the cross. If the father died on the cross, then he didn't really die, or else this world would cease to exist. So the idea of patropassionism, which is another huge debate that goes on within the church in the first four centuries, the idea of patropassionism doesn't work. That means that God didn't really die and a death wasn't really made for our sins, which the Bible clearly says happened. Yeshua wasn't mostly dead. He was, he <laughs> was dead. That's uh, the reason I laughed is it's because you're drinking the cup of the, of the, uh, the prince's bride and it's the whole joke of Remember Adam, uh, is it, who's Adam from Canada? Yeah. <laughs> at, at family camp. <laughs> he did the awesome skit. Adam, I miss you. You're funny. Remember, it, it was like mostly dead. They kept doing that. Right. Anyway, but back to the, the serious point here. Incarnation, Yeshua's death and resurrection. Core, 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 core. Right. Somebody says, Oy vey, Caleb, have Rob read Isaiah 7 to verse 10 in Hebrew. I've read Isaiah 7 in Hebrew. I think Isaiah 7, or does he mean Isaiah 11? Uh, well, oh. I, I, the, the point is, oh. is that th th this is supposed to, what, make me believe in modalism? Is that what they're saying? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is yes, Yeshua is yod heh I believe that. I believe the spirit is yod heh -Vav -Heh. Courtney says seven. And no. Okay. Great. I'm, I must be misunderstanding. Anyway. Okay. It's been an interesting show, to say the least. Sorry about all the technical problems. I don't know what's going on. Oh, hang on. She says, it will show you then just because someone is called yod heh -Vav -Heh doesn't mean they are. No, you're right. Uh, actually, you're wrong. <laughs> yod heh -Vav -Heh doesn't give his name to anyone else, right? I, I'm, uh, I'm I lost understand. too, but the fact of the matter is, is Philippians 2 understand. clearly says that Yeshua, he take, in, in Isaiah 47, God continues to say, I, don't, I give my glory to no one else, no one else, no one else, no one else can have my glory. And then he says, to me, to the name of yod heh -Vav -Heh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess allegiance. And guess what Paul does in Philippians 2? He takes that exact verse and he says, to Yeshua, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. 
You can, uh, he is yod hey vav hey. And he says so. Before Abraham was, I am. Um, yeah, and this. And I, he also says, uh, to the glory I had with you from the beginning. So Yeshua says that he shared glory with the Father. Yeah, people, I, I know what's going on here. People who, who uh, try to push that Yeshua and the Father are in a suzerain vassal and that Yeshua is just the representative have not studied suzerain vassal treaties. If the, if, the, uh, if the vassal claims to be the Father or the, the, the suzerain or takes any of the suzerain's glory or tries to sit on the suzerain's throne, guess what? Nada. Doesn't happen. That would never happen. That's considered mutiny. And the fact of the matter is that this is cropping up in, in Messianic and Hebrew root circles. It is heresy to say that Yeshua can receive the glory of the Father, but he's just a, represent, just a representative of the Father. We do not see this in Scripture. Anyway, okay. Um, it's been a good show, I believe. I hope that people have learned something. And I hope that, uh, honestly, I hope that the people over at uh, the Parable of the Vineyard will stop making videos for a little while, take down what they have, and really think about maybe taking some classes somewhere. It's, uh, it's, it's really just a, a shame. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we go? Nope. I hope you feel better, man. Thanks. You too, man. Yeah, we've been. Uh, I think that you and I have been sick since November. It's yeah, it's bad. All right. Well, we hope. That, oh my word! We hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. 